are listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 399 of Linux in the Hamshack. And this is our deep dive episode coming to you uh, from all over the place. We are worldwide tonight and uh, we're actually missing a co-host, but we'll go ahead and introduce ourselves anyway. I'm Russ, K5TUX, and Cheryl's not here tonight, W5MOO, but uh, she'll be back next time around. And we also have... Bill, NE4RD. Good evening. All right, very good. So, for our deep dive tonight, we have brought in a team of developers from the great country of Italy. Um, I know at least one of them is in Milan. I'm going to assume all of them are, and uh, we'll find out more about that in a second. But let's go ahead and tell you that we're going to be talking about a project called OpenRTX tonight, which is... um, well, we're going to find out what it is, actually. It's uh, it's an adjunct to M17 and other amateur radio digital voice-related projects. And it's uh, it looks like it's really cool, so we're going to find out about it. But we're going to bring on the first, um, and we've been told, lead developer and inventor of the project, uh, Niccolo, who is I-U-2-K-I-N. Good evening, Niccolo. How are you guys? Thank you. Good evening uh, to you too. Or it's um, a good day or whatever time zone you're in. <laughs> we're we're so, going to make it feel like it's evening everywhere. Okay. <laughs> let's pretend it's evening. <laughs> yeah, let's let's pretend. All right. So, Nicolo, you're the you're the one who created the project, we've been told, and you're the one who's uh, going to be the lead developer for tonight. Uh, why don't you tell us who else you've brought with us to talk to us about OpenRTX? Yes, definitely. I brought uh, with me two other members of the team. We are four of all. Uh, the first one is uh, my own twin, uh, Federico, uh, IU2NUO. Uh, and uh, the other one is uh, Silvano, IU2KWO. So uh, if uh, Federico wants to say a word. Uh, hello, thank you for having us tonight. Good evening to to everyone, since we <laughs> pretended that it's evening. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for the invitation. Yeah, no problem. And thank you for being here tonight. It's nice to have uh, three quarters of the development team here tonight. So we should be able to get really down into uh, the deepest parts of the project. So that will be real nice, because that's kind of what we do here on the deep dives. And it is evening for you guys, so you don't have to pretend, right? So the, for the rest of us, um, we'll all we'll all... Uh, assume that we're actually at work right now instead of doing this. Um, but in the meantime, why don't you, why don't, uh, whoever wants to, to talk, I'm going to let you, you know, whoever wants to outline, but why don't you go ahead and give us a, a general, well, let's see, do we want to do, let's do, let's do some background. Nicolo, well, what's, what are you guys' backgrounds in amateur radio and, uh, and open source and stuff like that? Tell us about a little bit about your history leading up to the Open RTX project. Okay, yeah, uh, sure. So, um, basically, I started with uh, open source developing and started digging into, you know, getting acquainted with Linux and uh, its uh, nice features and its problem also in the university. When uh, I was there, I uh, spent the vast majority of my time in a computer club, which is called uh, 
Paul, P-O-U-L, and that's a place where uh, my ideals, my open source ideals have forged, let's say. But uh, then afterwards uh, came the passion for uh, ham radio, and it was kind of a, I don't know, something quite unusual because uh, usually people have some uncle which is amateur or some father and some other guy instead i simply uh, i my story goes like this i purchased a uh, baofeng which is a um, a radio we all know very very well, and then uh, I ask myself, uh, uh, what is the the legal way in which I can use this device? The only legal way here in Italy. And I was I, I didn't knew any amateur uh, operator at the time, so I discovered that the only way was to actually become a ham radio operator. And uh, so I became one, and uh, it was really a very good decision in my life because uh, right now it's. Uh, really driving all my occupying basically all my free time <laughs> and um i got my license in 2017 and uh, uh but only recently maybe uh, i believe that we actually started in uh, last march uh i decided together with uh, silvano we decided to, to start the open rtx project because uh, the main reason is that we were in quarantine, we were, we were very bored. We were all alone and we wanted to do some cool stuff with our radios. So we had the influence about OpenGD77. We enjoyed that other project on our GD77 radios. So we were excited by, you know, the idea of developing free software for our radios, but we felt that that other project was kind of limited because it only supported a few radios which were all clones of the one of the other and we felt that much more could be done so we created open rtx project so uh, i don't know um, can i go ahead and introduce the project or uh, do you want me do you want more background well let's let's get a little bit of background from federico and solano as well so we'll start with your brother and find out a little bit about his uh, path in amateur radio and open source um okay well, um, I also discovered uh, the free software world uh, at the uh, university, and um, I I quickly became uh, uh, really really interested in that because uh, everything it's better if you can put your hands on it and uh, like uh, change it or improve it, and it it is better when all the whole community can benefit from your work and uh, this uh, this this fact uh, is uh, true for all uh, open source projects and um, it's really rewarding to write uh, open source software and uh, think that uh, a lot of people can use your work and even uh, bring it uh, develop it uh, further so it's a uh, it's now it's a few years that I've been uh, following the free software world and using uh, Linux. And uh, um, on the contrary, I'm an amateur only from uh, I think uh, f- few uh, one one year and uh, some months. So uh, so I'm a re- relatively fresh uh, amateur, but. Uh, I like uh, I like very much the amateur radio world because um, 
it's uh, you can find really quick really quickly let's say the frontier of the technological development it's uh, really fast to to go uh, where uh, no one to, to do something that no one else has done before and uh, we just did that with the open rtx uh, project uh, Let's say you gather with, uh, you talk with some friends and, uh, you, we, we, we did, we caught the occasion of writing, let's say, the first, um, multi-platform, um, firmware for, uh, ham radio radios. And, uh, it's really exciting and, uh, a rewarding project, uh, to work into. And, uh, I think I can, uh, pass the word to, to Silvano. Okay, thank you. Um, briefly, my biography is that I, I'm passionate about electronics since basically the, the very beginning, <laughs> since I was like three years old or something. But um, I mean, in the last years from university, which I began in 2014, now I finished <laughs> happily, but anyway, um, when 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 I reached the university, I effectively um, grew up in about uh, electronics development and and then software development because I joined um, um, a group in Politecnico di Milano, which was developing um, sounding rockets. And I, I joined the electronics team and I began developing, uh, basically the embedded systems for the onboard, uh, telemetry and things like, 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 like that. And I joined the, I, I got my amateur license in 2017 and I'm the one which has an uncle, which is a ham radio operator. Uh, it's uh, India Uniform 5 Hotel India Whiskey, and he introduced me basically to the amateur world, and he pushed me to buy some radios to start transmitting and so on. And yeah, I I I, I began with some radio activity in HF, VHF, and UHF on everything. And then last March, working with Nicolo, we had the idea of extending the OpenGD77 project, which then became, became OpenRTX due to a lot of reasons, which we'll explain briefly in the due course. But we, we decided, yeah, to try to extend the OpenGD77 project because it is a very good project, and we, we believe that open source uh, mates very well with amateur radio. I mean, in the past, amateur radio operators were effectively building their equipment, so it's a way to regain this capability to build our equipment, I think. All right, very good. So let me let me come back to Nicolo here, and you guys both mentioned, uh, you and Savannah both mentioned the GD77 project which is what you're spinning off into OpenRTX. So if you would, maybe describe the GD77 project a little bit and then tell us how uh, OpenRTX came out of that and uh, what 
what you guys are doing with it or give us an overview of that project. But uh, start with GD77 and then kind of give us a, a lead into OpenRTX. Yeah, sure. So um, the actual... Um, the OpenGD77 project, uh, it's uh, uh, basically uh, an open source uh, firmware development uh, effort because uh, for the for the GD77 radio, which is a um, Chinese handy talkie, which costs around uh, 80 bucks. And um, it is very a very important project because it's the first project uh, complete firmware developing effort for um, portable radio. Um, before that project, uh, uh, we had the possibility to run our own code, for example, on the MD380 using the MD380 tools. However, uh, that project and the uh, relative forks were only addition to the original firmware of the radio. While uh, OpenGD77 really uh, has the goal of rewriting from scratch every piece of code that runs on the radio. Um, and this is very good because uh, uh, basically they achieved their goal. They are now a complete firmware. They run on uh, uh, five different radio which share the same hardware. And uh, the very nice uh, one of the fe- the nice features of that project is that they really elevate the user experience on those radios. Uh, you can tell immediately if you try uh, the same radio with uh, the original firmware and OpenGD77, uh, you see that uh, apart from the greater stability, but really you see that the firmware is tailored around uh, the HAM radio user experience. It's not just uh, built... Um, the less uh, you you see that it is more refined, uh, it it is more feature complete, but it also uh, introduced some other uh, innovations like the ability of connecting your GD77 to a DMR hotspot and using the RF part of the radio instead of the one embedded in the hotspot, being able to really with uh, uh, a low cost to produce a 5 watt uh, um, hotspot. This is, I believe, it's a very nice feature. And, um, uh, but however, also even that project has its own limitation. And um, the one, I will just uh, mention one, which is uh, the fact that it is tailored around one single kind of hardware, which is the one of the uh, Radiodity GD77. And um, although this, um, I mean, if you want to use that project, you have to buy that radio. We felt that this was a really uh, hard limitation because, uh, uh, you know, we have Plenty, we are amateur radios, uh, amateur radio operators. We buy uh, radios we don't need, we buy lots of radios. So we have several radios laying around and we wonder why shouldn't we be able to run our own code even on the other radios we we possessed, uh, which shared parts of the hardware with uh, the OpenGD77 project. So what what do you, I'm not sure how to ask this question, but are you guys familiar with the, the GD77 hardware in the sense that is it sort of 
tailor-made to introduce custom firmwares, kind of like the TYT projects and stuff, or products, not projects. And um, do, you, do you feel like, you know, because most newer radios allow some sort of facility for firmware updates and stuff like that, is it that the Radio Oddity radios and the TYTs sort of make it easy to do custom firmwares, or do you see this being possible on other platforms as well? Well, um, this is a, a nice question. Uh, actually, recent developments, for example, the hacking work uh, done on the Kenwood THD74 radio demonstrated that, um, which uh, is kind of a counterintuitive thing, um, popular radios often do not employ any kind of uh, secure boot, which means of uh, uh, firmware cryptographical signature or firmware encryption. So, um, although uh, Chinese radios like the one I've mentioned, the TYT and uh, Radiodity, they do not employ firmware cryptographic signature, but they actually employ some form of encryption. So, um, in a counterintuitive way, these Chinese radio are not the easiest target on which to run uh, the software. Simply, they were the first which people got their hands on and started experimenting with. Because when you are um, trying to, you know, poke with the bootloader, try to run your own code, there is always a risk of breaking your own device. And really, tearing apart and Risking to break a $400 device uh, is another thing without, uh, with respect to trying, uh, tearing apart a $50 device. So I believe that this is the main reason uh, for which uh, TYT radios were the first which uh, see, uh, which uh, spawned a custom firmware developing scene. But I believe there's no uh, theoretical limit to porting this to other radios. All right, very good. So now we might as well get into it. Tell us a little bit about OpenRTX, what the project is, um, and what platforms you're building it for. I know it's uh, it's really early in the development. I think you're saying it's uh, alpha stage at this point, but you do have uh, proof of concept builds, and you have actually uh, run it yourselves, and other people have run it on some TYT radios. Uh, but what is OpenRTX and what what does it do for you? Okay, so um, OpenRTX is uh, basically a, a community build, so open source free software firmware for uh, all the ham radio uh, digital or analog radios. Basically, I... I wanted to keep this as general as possible because uh, this is what is on, on our mind. We want to um, build some piece of code which will run on as many radios a, as we can, um, providing with a basic set of features. So uh, if a radio is a DMR radio, we want to be able to support that. If a radio is uh, an HF radio, we want to be able to support that. But we have the probably the most precious features of all, which builds on top of this, which is the ability of really experimenting at firmware level, the ability of running your own code, and the ability of trying 
to develop new technologies like M17, and uh, I want to talk about that also later on. Uh, by the way, yeah, um, regarding the developing stage, uh, ours is uh, still a, a young a young project. Uh, it has uh, less than one year uh, old, uh, but we already support four different families of radio. And on on three of them, we have also um, analog uh, transmission and reception. So uh, we got to the point where you can actually do use the radio as a radio and not just as a, I don't know, fancy uh, resource-constrained PDA. Uh, but basically, we now uh, support the... Titera MD380, the, all of the similar radios like the MD390, all the clones like the RT3. And then we also support the UV380, which is the dual band version and all the relative clones like the RT3S. We support the GD77 and we have a beginning very, 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 very limited support for the Titera MD9600. And you uh, also support the GD77. I don't know if you said that. Yes, definitely. Also the GD77 and the DM1801, which is a clone of that radio. Um, although the, the mainly supported platform, so the one for which you can ex- expect to have, a, let's say, the most feature-complete experience are the MD380 and the MDUV380. But things are moving fast. We are adding the support of new radios at every release. So um, right now, the, the firmware is still experimental, so we cannot say to amateur that they can expect something, uh, they can expect a feature complete radio. But if they want uh, really to experiment something new, if they, they got bored by their own radio, they want to try uh, a new firmware on it, I believe that they should try our own firmware. We are making our best so that uh, they can interchange our firmware with the original one or with other firmwares like the OpenGD77. So uh, we want to enable uh, ham radio operators to effortlessly exchange firmware to, you know, to have fun and to also help us in uh, developing our project. I know you sent me a matrix of what features will be supported and what currently are supported on each of the different platforms. And I think um, right now, you've only got um, analog working so far, and uh, I guess a proof of concept of M17 on the MD380, is that right? Yes, uh, definitely. But really, mm, we have uh, gained the support of the analog for the UV380 this week, so it will be out in the next version. But yes, on uh, the MD380 is uh, our uh, most supported radio, and on that, the uh, FM uh, reception and transmission should be reliable, it should work. And we have also, yeah, uh, um, an experimental test of transmission with M17. Oh, very good. So before we get to more into the project, what do each of you guys do as far as development, or do you do you do you all do it all, or have you guys segmented yourself into different facets of development? Well, we are uh, kind of a specialized. Uh, um, so, uh, Silvano, uh, IU2 
KWO is uh, our hardware guy. He's the one whose radios are spend more time into pieces than all together. So he, uh, maybe Silvano, you can tell a bit about uh, your part. Yeah, I'm I, I, I'm basically using my radios as development platform in this period. So anyway. Um, being a passionate about embedded systems development, I am the one who is in charge of writing the low-level drivers, for example, all the interface code towards the hardware. And yeah, I mean, my, my radios spend most of their time um, torn apart on my desk because I have, for the development I have, for example, to probe um, signals, the communications between the various chips, because we don't have documentation. So the only way to do um, proper uh, analysis of the underlying hardware is basically by reverse engineering. And this said, generally my, my, my job, the Open, OpenRTX project is low level development. I do drivers and testing and drivers. Basically, so um, this is because also in our project, since we um, aim to be compatible with many with uh, many different radios which have heterogeneous hardware, we developed uh, some uh, some interfaces so that we have a standard way of dealing. We have a the biggest part of our code which is the same on all radios and then we have some device drivers which are specific uh, specific for each radio and this allows us to reuse lots of the code and to really uh, port do a port of our code to a different radio in a reduced time instead uh, federico iuchu and uo is uh, recently was more focused about the uh, development of the user interface of the radio Federico, if you want to tell us more. Uh, yes, uh, I basically uh, developed uh, the whole user interface, uh, so uh, all uh, the menus, the graphics, uh, and uh, how the, let's say, the, 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 the interface of the radio. So when you use it, uh, what, what uh, each button do, what... Uh, how the screens are composed and this was really really fun to do because i i managed to design the the user interface from scratch i i basically started literally from paper and let's say created some drawings about what i think would be a nice functional and good looking interface for the radio and uh, I'm uh, quite satisfied of uh, what uh, we gained now. And uh, an, an interesting thing of our uh, user interface is that uh, it's designed to work on uh, different displays. Uh, if you think about uh, of the uh, at the TYT MD380 versus the GD77, which we both uh, support, they have really different uh, display, for example. Uh, one is roughly have uh, 
is uh, twice as large as the other and uh, the MD380 has a color display which the GD77 hasn't. So a challenge was to uh, develop a user interface which would adapt to different uh, uh, formats of uh, display and different capabilities, for example, color, color versus uh, black and white. And uh, we managed to do that with the same code, uh, which uh, kind of uh, goes along with the general philosophy of OpenRTX of uh, supporting uh, as many different hardware as possible and uh, sharing as much code as possible. Uh, so we didn't develop uh, two separate uh, code to handling different displays, but we try to uh, be smart and write smart code that uh, can adapt uh, on uh, on the characteristic of the radio which uh, you are using. So I have a question. So so uh, <clears throat> when we talk about development and programming and stuff like that, we usually talk about it for a, like an Intel PC platform or, or something along those lines. And you can say, well, the code is written in uh, C++ with a GTK, you know, GUI overlay or something like that. So what does what does a firmware get written in? <laughs> well, uh, our firmware is uh, written in uh, C, and uh, developing on it for uh, it, it depends. The flavor of the, the of the development depends on what are you writing, because when you are writing some more general code like the user interface or uh, uh, you know developing the parsing of GPS uh, data structures. This is something very close to the developing experience on a, a PC. In fact, uh, we also, uh, our project also can compile for Linux uh, and we use that to speed up the development of the user interface because flashing one radio takes like, I don't know, 30, 20, 30 seconds and uh, we really didn't want to to uh, lose that time and each time uh, try a change, uh, compile, flash. Uh, so um, basically we, on Linux we have just a headless part without the radio part, uh, but it's complete and uh, we use that to uh, have a larger screen on which to work with the user interface. But uh, however, there are still other parts of the development, the one more related to the hardware, to the low level, and uh, maybe Silvano can talk a bit about that kind of the development. Yes, also the low-level modules are written in basically in C, uh, just because it's it, it was a decision we made at the beginning uh, before effectively starting to build everything. We uh, we had a bit of discussion, but I mean uh, not in the bad sense. <laughs> About which, uh, um, which, which programming language to use. And we decided C to, I mean, to, 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 to allow for a wider reachability, in some sense, from the other people in, in the world. But that said, um, the, the low level drivers are basically written in C and the real time operating system is we we, we are switching from to, to a new one which is neosix named and the operating system is is for, for, for the embedded part is written in c++ 
So the main languages are basically C and C++. And so, so what about the graphical were... part? Is that uh, is that custom built, Federico? The yes, the the graphical part it's uh, it isn't based on any existing uh, graphical library. It's uh, basically written from scratch. We decided the best way was uh, to start with uh, uh, to write our own function for uh, anything that we need. So we wrote a function to write text, uh, to write shapes. Uh, and uh, we decided to keep the code base minimal and uh, write everything from uh, scratch. And uh, it, it wasn't too painful, I think. Oh, that's good. How how big? Uh, what what kind of memory capacity do these have? How big do these firmwares are? You know, how are they when you when you write them onto the device? Right now, uh, when if you compile our own firmware and you flash it on the MD three eighty, I will take this as a reference device. It occupies the ten percent of our flash space. So um, by enabling some compiler optimization and also by uh, writing from scratch the let's say largest part, uh, which would take more space, like the graphical one, we really managed to to generate a, a very low profile code on the space, which is good because uh, uh, there is some more space to embed, for example, external libraries for people to experiment with. Because once you have finished the, the available flash, uh, you know, unless you are able to solder a, a larger one, it's game over. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I could probably ask questions all day. Bill, you got anything? Who, me? Have anything? Yeah. No, of course not. <laughs> no, no, I was looking at uh, some of the uh, some of the other utilities you guys have as well, and I'm assuming as soon as you get like uh, DMR support and stuff like that working in the firmware, you'll be able to also use these tools like uh, what do you got the the QDMR tool? And what is there? There's a couple other ones here, isn't there? DMR config and stuff like that. Are these uh, planned for using on the firmware as well? Uh, yes. Um, the support for like things like writing the code plug, uh, uh, it's something which is really on our mind because in the end, uh, we want on one side to have a platform for on which we can experiment with our own ideas on which we can uh, for example implement an M17 encoder or something like that but on the other side we really want to to build something which the uh, you know the average amateur radio operator can use and it's a really challenging task because you know the, the the average amateur radio operator uses Windows, so you have to think about that. <laughs> and um, we manage that, for example, by using the same uh, firmware packaging uh, format as the original firmware in all of our targets. So if you download the pre-built firmware version from GitHub, uh, you can use uh, the original flashing tools from the radio, which they uh, run on Windows also. Uh, you can use those to flash the radio. So right now you can uh, flash the radio on all platforms, but also, if you have a uh, Linux or Mac, you can use uh, a fancy tool which is called the DMR.tools. It's a website, so you can flash your radio from Chrome, which we believe it's a very nice feature. But also on the 
Yeah, and uh, the same challenge uh, will uh, will hold also for the code plug writing, but we are still working on that. So right now you cannot directly write a new code plug from uh, OpenRTX, uh, but that is something we plan to release on the uh, on the next version. I, I do have a question. That I want to go. It's kind of a step back from that question, but I want to ask it before it gets away from my head. <laughs> um, Speaking specifically of like the MD380, that's traditionally a DMR and a analog radio it supports both of those. But you're going to be adding M- M17 to it and presumably other modes as well. So how exactly are you guys creating, how, how are you guys getting the radios to do the mod and demod on these modes? I mean, what, what are you guys doing? Are you trying to replicate the original firmware like for DMR? Or are you doing your own thing as far as getting it to mod and demod, you know, M17 DMR and so on? Yeah, this is a very good question. Um, before answering it, I will briefly mention how the radio is made, is built. Uh, in the original firmware, the radio does DMR by using two different chips. We have the MCU, so the microcontroller, which actually just um, roots, uh, it controls the, the peripherals, just uh, uh, powers on the amplifier, tunes the PLL, so it does a bit of managing stuff. But the actual uh, encoding of DMR frames is done by a separate chip, which we will call baseband, which uh, is a uh, um, custom DSP by a company named Hongrui, and that chip does um, everything like it keeps the alignment with the DMR frames. It, uh, um, it performs the four FSK digital encoding of the, of the frames. The, there is still a missing bit on, on, on this scheme, which is who does the actual vocoding process? So who does the conversion from the analog voice captured from the microphone? to the AMBE encoded frames. In Usually in uh, digital DMR radios, you have a dedicated chip which does that. However, in this radio, this functionality is emulated by the MCU itself. So this makes things quite complicated because when you are transmitting, the, a- the audio does a very weird path from the MCU to the baseband and then, um, sorry, baseband, MCU, baseband, and then back into the RF stage. So as you can assume, something quite a complicated construction like this is not easy to repurpose. Uh, in fact, we initially thought about trying to reuse the the FSK modulator of the baseband because also M17 uses four FSK. However, on one side, uh, um, the different uh, parameters of the modulation and on the and on another side, the total lack, almost total lack of documentation on the baseband led us to a different route. So right now, what we are planning to do with M17 and what we are, we started doing is to find a direct path from the microphone to the microcontroller and then from the microcontroller back to the RF stage. So we want to keep 
as much as possible into the microcontroller. This works also the way back. So from RF to microcontroller to the speaker. We want to do that because on the MCU we have complete control and also this allow us to be more portable to other platform at the cost of sacrificing a bit of the efficiency because the MCU will not will never be as efficient as the baseband uh, in encoding frames. So who is the big brain in this project that is forcing the microcontroller to do other modes that the radio wasn't built for? You have to talk with Silvano. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I I spent a, I mean a good number of evenings with my scope <laughs> trying to push M17 frames out. Um, basically, what we are doing now is we are reproducing a pre-recorded version of an M17 frame, just uh, as it is an audio stream. And we are transmitting it uh, in plain FM analog transmission. Uh, so actually, the M17 test is basically the, the MCU reproducing this audio stream and typing it to the basement chip, configured in analog mode, and then transmitting. And next steps will be... Uh, for sure implementing a complete M17 modulator in software uh, to allow the transmission for, um, I mean, arbitrary frames and also for decoding. But, yeah, we have a bit of experimental activity ahead on this field. So you say the, I think you said the baseband was the thing that does 4FSK. So anything that's modulated that way is possible in this radio? So could it? could you have a radio ultimately that does you know, M17, DMR, and Fusion? Yeah, uh, however, um, we are not actually using the FSK modulator of the baseband because uh, that one is too deeply tied to the DMR standard. So it will be really hard to um, reuse that modulator and also it will be hard to properly tune the modulation to the deviation parameter which are specific of each standard. Therefore, what we are doing now is um, to use, we are using the PWM output of the MCU to actually um, emit, let's say, the FM demodulated version of a 4FSK, which is a sound, so an analog signal, which, after being modulated in FM, will look exactly like a 4FSK modulator. And this kind of approach will enable us to virtually support any possible protocol, like uh, the other D-Star and uh, the, the, you know, the Yaeso System Fusion P25 and XDN, whatever comes into people's mind, uh, except for the the patent problem. So the fact that all uh, those protocols except M17, they rely on proprietary uh, vocoding techniques. So to implement those, you need to actually um, obtain a license for the uh, AMBE encoding patent. 
and that's a bit of a stopper you know in the in experimentation towards other modes this is why uh, in our firmware m17 support is coming before dmr support and also because we, are, we already have DMR radios and we don't have M17 radios, so we are more biased toward that kind of protocol. <laughs> that makes sense. All right, Bill, I'll send it back to you so you can uh, ask some maybe less technical questions. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> less technical questions. Uh, okay, let's talk about the, uh, well, the releases, because uh, you uh, do use the tag to build releases on your uh, GitHub project. And I see you got uh, one release was just back in February. Uh, dot dot two. When's the when's the next release coming out? Well, um, we are working really hard to push the V zero dot three. I believe if I have to put an estimate, it will be out before two weeks from today. Uh, we are spending some time in that release because uh, we are introducing the support for the persistent settings, which means that something very, uh, you know, which we take as granted, which is the fact that when you turn off the radio and you turn that on again, you have the radio in the same state as you had before. Something very simple like this is actually really complex. Is It has some hard consequences which is the fact that we have to, you know, I'm again <laughs> dwelling into technical details. I want to keep this too much technical, but you have to write into the, the flash of the radio. And, you know, we really don't want amateur radios to uh, experiment with our firmware and uh, find their, that their radio is unable to boot the original firmware anymore. So we are taking our time to ensure <laughs> that, you know, for example, a proper backup of uh, uh, the radio is possible, which is something which right now is not uh, does not exist for uh, all the other open firmware ha- efforts like OpenGD77. Yeah, yeah. And I see, uh, like uh, Russ was talking about earlier, you do have a, a, on the wiki page the development support matrix, which kind of gives you that indication of uh, where you're in progress at, which is in persistence and M17TX and stuff like that. So that's really useful information. So if somebody were to want to to also try this out, like what would be the steps for them to, like you say, possibly back up their existing firmware and then flash it? What kind of extra tools are they going to need? Well, uh, right now they actually don't need to to back up the 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 code plug because right now in uh, up to release v zero point two, which is the one they can safely download from GitHub, we do not t- touch the flash at all. So by flashing our own firmware, they will find their own code plug, uh, possibly correctly parsed, and so they don't need backup at all. Uh, then. Afterwards, uh, uh, from release v0.3, we uh, decided to implement the DFU protocol, which is the same one used by the original firmware on the MD380. And uh, we we will have to figure out, we want to create some uh, user space tool, which uh, hopefully will be multi-platform. Maybe Federico can tell a bit more about uh, the backup tool. Oh, yes. Um, the underlying protocol will be DFU. And uh, this gives, since uh, it's a standard protocol, uh, if uh, one, uh, if the user uh, 
is a Linux user, can EK News a standard tool like DFU-Util, which let you take a complete backup of the both STM32 and external flash of the radio. But our idea is we got inspired by the QMK firmware, for which is a famous custom firmware for mechanical keyboards. And they uh, ship a Windows and multi-platform tool to, let's say, flash your mechanical keyboard from Windows. And uh, this tool uh, also uses uh, DFU under the hood. So our idea will, uh, will be to create uh, an easy-to-use tool which uh, uh, you can, uh, let's say, connect your radio to your computer. Uh, flash OpenRTX, and our idea is that uh, uh, OpenRTX, open the radio will suggest before starting the, the actual firmware, we suggest you with a screen to uh, take a backup and uh, point you to the link with the instructions. So we really want to be on the safe side with this uh, flash modification stuff because uh, we Uh, each one of us uh, already managed to, uh, let's say, corrupt the internal flash. So <laughs> we, we want to be sure the user don't, don't do that uh, even by mistake. Yeah, that's, uh, that's something definitely you'd want to prevent happening. <laughs> Nothing like putting something on there and bricking your device right away. Uh, you know, the, the love of doing that to a cell phone <laughs> comes to mind. <laughs> so I also see uh, you guys are actively using uh, the issue tracker inside of GitHub as well for the project. So people are experimenting with this and notice anything, they should uh, report uh, issues there. Definitely. Um, we really believe uh, in, in a community-based uh, development model. So people are free to uh, first uh, report what they think are bugs. They can do uh, that either on uh, GitHub directly by opening an issue, or they can uh, reach us on our Discord uh, server, which is uh, uh, referenced by, uh, I believe, both the, the GitHub repo and our website, which is uh, openrtx.org. So, um, but we also are, uh, um, we also listen to feature suggestions, uh, and, uh, really we want to, to push that, uh, also because, um, having the ability to run, to run your own code on your radio opens so many possibilities. So if, any of the listener of this podcast has some weird ideas, which can only be possible by, you know, running your own code on the radio please speak up and uh, either open an issue or uh, uh, come talk on uh, on discord cool cool that's that's really good um did did you want to uh russ at this point share everywhere that these guys can be contacted or well i'm, I'm we not at? done with the interview yet i have, oh, I, have okay. i have one more question <laughs> oh well let's go to your question Well, my question is, if someone downloads this firmware and writes it onto their device and powers it up, what do they see? Well, uh, they will see a very fancy boot screen with our logo on it. <laughs> so uh, this is the first thing that will, they will see. And uh, after that, uh, they will see the, the interface that uh, Federico built. And, um, you know, we... One, we have the, the, the goal of making an interface which 
kind of a self explains by itself. Uh, so this is because we we are uh, uh, some <laughs> we are uh, uh, we have not enough time let's say to 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 build a proper documentation we are still in the early development stage we we should do that we know <laughs> but yeah so it will uh, see a boot screen and uh, uh, then it they will be uh, brought into a memory mode which will list uh, the the first channel that is found on their code plug and they will be able to switch back and forth from memory to VFO mode. But really, just flashing the radio and pressing random buttons will uh, give you quite a, an immediate feedback uh, on the whole user experience. And um, we really encourage people to do that because uh, um, right now, flashing the... Uh, the firmware should be safe, so you should be able to not to break your radio by doing so. Uh, so really, all the people have to do is to go on our GitHub page to download uh, the release firmware for their own radios and use the their favorite tools, uh, either the OEM ones or the one we provided, like a radio tool, to flash the firmware. And then from then, they could, for example, try to uh, use the FM mode on the MD390. We we support repeaters, uh, we support uh, CTCSS encoding. So uh, analog FM usage of the radio would be already possible. Also, we have uh, support for the GPS. So um, right now we plan to uh, add APRS support to that. But right now, you know, your radio can be a handy GPS positioner. All right. Well, let me ask one final thing before we get to our normal <laughs> final question. And that is what, and I, and I know I'm asking you to see into the future, but if you took an MD 380 right now and you know, it's uh, what its capabilities are for doing DMR and analog and all that stuff. And it's, uh, it's completeness, whether you're using the stock firmware or MD 380 tools, at what point do you see an MD 380 running Open RTX to have the same functionality that a 380 has today. Well, um, I believe that um, that point could. I mean, the exact level of uh, feature completeness uh, probably could be reached uh, uh, in an year. I mean, taking things very conservatively, because we uh, plan to first support M17 and afterwards DMR, but really in an year from now, it probably should be on par with the original firmware. Uh, but it will not be on par because uh, uh, when we will reach that point, so to have a superset of the features of the original firmware, we will already have probably APRS support, M17 support, and other cool stuff as well. Uh, we are very, um, you know, um, we want to, to push the idea that this is a firmware for experiment, for playing. This is our main goal. We want also to be a day to the, the firmware uh, to be a daily driver, to be something which you can rely on, something which you can use every day. But the main goal will be to do nice stuff. So DMR will come uh, later. Okay, very good. That that sort of answers my question. But you're saying, well, within a year, you should see some some real feature completeness, and you'll probably be into a beta or an actual release by then. 
Yes, uh, definitely. Uh, probably we will uh, switch to the beta uh, tag when we have uh, uh, all the uh, green dots uh, in our feature metrics, uh, and that includes also DMR. All right, fantastic. So the last question we normally ask when we're doing an interview like this is, what question didn't we ask or what other topics didn't we touch on that you guys would like to tell us about the OpenRTX project that we somehow have forgotten about? Well, uh, I will start and then pass along the word to the other team members. I believe that we talked, uh, we haven't talked enough about OpenRTX and M17 because um, probably, I mean, we at the beginning, this was not something we, we thought about. But when I uh, knew about the M17 project, really, I saw our two projects I knew that they, our two projects would go along very well. Uh, this is because uh, um, really having um, some such an experimental protocol like M17 on cheap hardware, it's this explosive combination that will enable a mass adoption of uh, some experimental new protocol like M17. But this, I believe, won't stop with M17 because uh, in the end, having the possibility of uh, running our, your own code onto some platform is the key enabler for all many different projects. So I see in the future that uh, as our popularity as a project will grow and uh, as many people uh, who has uh, uh, innovative and uh, groundbreaking ideas will discover about our platform, then other unimaginable things will be possible. And maybe, Federico, you want to add that uh, uh, a question which wasn't asked? Yes, uh, something uh, we, which uh, we didn't cover in our conversation is uh, documentation. Um, I, I really think uh, documentation in the sense that of uh, having information about uh, uh, a radio you, you buy, I think it's very important, especially in the ham radio ecosystem, because uh, it's... Uh, within the rights of an Hamner uh, radio operator to uh, mo modify, repair, and uh, uh, discover how their equipment works. And uh, this uh, is usually common in expensive radio because when you buy them, you usually uh, sometimes receive also the schematics, for example, or the repair manual. But uh, this aspect is completely lacking from Chinese radio. Uh, they, they, when you buy them, you, uh, so you always uh, only receive a poorly translated uh, user manual. And uh, this is uh, really a pity because uh, lack of uh, documentation, schematics, and detail about the hardware really uh, uh, makes more difficult experimenting with uh, uh, the hardware one uh, an operator owns. So... Uh, to this, uh, regarding this aspect, one of our goals is also to document and gather as much uh, information as possible about the hardware which we, we are covering as our targets. Um, 
to to this intent, uh, we are using our website openrtx.org to gather and uh, let's say publish all the schematics uh, we can find uh, about uh, uh, Ch- Chinese radios we currently target because we want to uh, make more available the, the documentation so more people can experiment uh, with these uh, devices and uh, know them better. Yeah, so um, I will ask the same questions to Silvano. I will forward it. Uh, uh, do you feel that uh, something uh, hasn't been covered in this interview? Mm, no. Uh, I mean, I, I think you provided really a lot of information. Uh, no, I was just, I, I just want to tell a little fun fact about how the development started and how we managed to work in the like in the first three months of development um, because we start developing OpenRTX in March 2020 and until June 2020 I hadn't in my house an MD380. The only one who had a radio who was Nicolò. So I was something developing something, sending precompiled binary to him through Telegram testing uh, having a feedback and so on. So the first three months were uh, like peer, peer-to-peer development. Uh, just, just because we, we were in lockdown and I, I, I was so stupid not to bring with me an MD380. <laughs> <laughs> so, we, so we had to do like distance development. Anyway. Um, going back to serious mode, just to complement what uh, Federico said, just a little thing more is, uh, is that on our GitHub page, we have a dedicated repository for external documentation, which is chipset documentation, schematics, whatever. And if someone has something which can be helpful for the development and uh, he or she feels secure about sharing it publicly, please open an issue, um, write on, 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 on Discord, write an email, whatever. But if you have documentation, you can share it publicly. Please give us that documentation. We really need documentation uh, to, to, to better understand the, the hardware, for example. So if you have documentation, please provide, if you can, of course. All right, that's great. So that actually leads very nicely into what you uh, should probably tell everybody about where they can find the project, where they can get in touch with you guys and all that stuff, like uh, mention the website again, the Discord server, uh, GitHub location, anything else that people might need to know uh, to get information about or contact you about or provide you information for the OpenRTX project. Yeah, we haven't mentioned one channel, actually. We have uh, an M17 reflector, which people can use to get in touch with us, uh, which is uh, m17.openrtx.org. However, this is more for, you know, 
experimenting with the protocol and having fun because uh, we are not always uh, uh, listening on that and we are not recording the stream. So the main channels are the Discord, uh, which is published on the website, and uh, GitHub, obviously, for the, let's say, more uh, development-related uh, questions. All right. Well, we'll have addresses for all of that stuff in the show's notes. So uh, make sure to check those out if you're interested in the OpenRTX project and uh, make sure to get in touch with the guys, download the firmware, try it out on your supported device and see where this project is going. We look forward to seeing where it winds up and how the development comes along because it looks really interesting. And I'm uh, always interested in playing around with some experimental firmware on my uh, cheap Chinese radios. So um, with that, I think we've come down to the end of it so we can say thank you, uh, to Federico and Silvano and Nicolo for, for being here with us tonight. We appreciate you guys coming on. Thank you very much for uh, giving us uh, the possibility to, to speak, uh, about our project. Thank you. It was a, it was a pleasure. Yeah. The same for me. Really. Thank you. All right. And thank you guys once again. And I hope we'll catch up with you uh, maybe in six months or so and see see where the project is, uh, where it's headed and what kind of support you guys uh, have have created for these devices. And, and maybe you've got some new hardware coming down the pipe uh, at that time. But uh, we'll definitely follow along with the Open RTX project and keep up and uh, let people know where you guys are at. It sounds interesting. And uh, we love that you're doing this in an open source way. And uh really supporting the community and open development. Yeah, we will see in a year if we will be able to keep our, our promise. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, guys. Uh, take care. Have a great evening. And uh, we'll, we'll be in touch soon, I'm sure. All right. Well, thanks to the Open RTX guys for being here tonight. And uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show. But we do have a little bit of feedback, or not feedback, actually. We do have some announcements we want to make. And uh, as you're hearing this, if you're hearing this on time when it's first released, the uh, QSO Today Virtual Ham Expo is still ongoing, so you can sign up for that. Uh, it's, was it QSO Ham Radio Virtual Expo.com or something? Uh, <laughs> sounds close. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's close. You, you just Google for it. You'll find it. It's not, not that hard to do. And um, we'll, of course, be there. And, uh, you know, come communicate with us. Try out this AirMeet platform. Make it interesting. Uh, we hope to see you at the QSO Today Virtual Ham Expo. And then, uh, Bill, you want to cover the... Uh, storm spotter classes because uh cheryl normally covers this but she is not here today sure no problem yeah this is the uh, storm spotter classes we've mentioned in the past it's still ongoing this is the national weather service forecast office in st louis is offering free virtual spotter classes to prepare for the heart of severe weather season if you would like to assist your local community by becoming a volunteer storm spotter and reporting severe weather to the national weather service or if you simply want to learn more about severe weather consider attending one of our virtual sessions attendees are taught the basics of thunderstorm development storm structure the features to look for and where to find them what, when, and how to report information to us at the National Weather Service is also covered, which is very important. That's <laughs> the most important part is actually what is reportable weather. Um, attendees will need to uh, need a desktop or a laptop computer to view the presentation. Additionally, we will use an interactive polling software throughout the presentation, which will use your cell phone should you choose to participate in the polling questions. Please do not register for more than one course. And let's see, the courses coming here. Uh, the ones, I guess the last one here is going to be March 20th. Yes. All the other ones have passed. So this is the last course. Uh, if you haven't signed up yet, it's Saturday, March 20th at uh, 2 PM, uh, central time. So, uh, check that out. 
these courses may be canceled or changed at any on short notice due to active weather. Uh, we will communicate these changes via the website and our social media channels. So uh, check out the, the link in the show notes for registering for those. And I think that's it. All right. Well, that is it, actually. So this has been a really educational deep dive on the OpenRTX project. I really enjoyed it, and I hope you all did, too. So thanks, everybody who listens to and supports the show for tuning into this deep dive episode number 399 of Linux in the Ham Shack. I'm Russ, K5TUX, and Cheryl, of course, is not here, but she'll be, she'll be here next time, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The show is recorded live every Thursday at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord you can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW that's 1-909-547-7469 visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show themed merchandise become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. <laughs>